Comic News, episode 91. I'm your only host, Chris. Mike's out of town again, so it's just a solo show. Uh, not going to go too much in the news or any of the new shows. We will do that next week once Mike comes back. But I have a ton of great interviews for you this week. I talked to a bunch of different creators, and we're going to put them all in today. And that's going to be your show Interviews with great creators that have awesome comics launching right now. So we're going to start with Terry Mayo. He's from Alterna Comics, has a book called Wicked Righteous, and also has a book out from a different publisher called Disposable Legends. Welcome, Terry Mayo, to the show. Hey, guys. Chris here interrupting the show real quick. Remember, if you want to show your support for Force Comic News, Head on down to patreon.com slash news, where just a dollar a month gets you uh, access to our Slack channel where we can talk comics all day and all night and uh, exclusive Patreon podcast that we're uh, uploading very soon. A uh, series of games that we play with all the great guests we have here on Force Comic News. You're going to get one of those every month and just a just dollar a month gets it for you. So remember, that's the best way to show your support there and to help a growing community and to be a part of it with us. So everybody, thanks for your support and on with the show. And welcome back, everybody. Today we have one of our few special guests today, Mr. Terry Mayo, writer of Wicked Divine and Disposable Heroes. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, anytime. So we always kind of start our guests with a similar question that I know everyone loves to talk about. So it's basically, what is your secret origin in terms of comics? When did you start reading? What got you into it? Um, well, when I was younger, my mom, I, I was the only boy out of like seven girls and I was the youngest. So my mom, would, I guess, didn't know what to get a little boy. So she got me like a smorgasbord of everything she could find. And one of them was like this huge box of like comic books from like the sixties and seventies and just like threw them in my room. It was like, here, try this. And it was like a bunch of like, uh, what it was, uh, uh, God, Jonah Hex and, and, and Sergeant rock and stuff like that. So that was kind of my window into comic books. And, um, couple years later i got cancer and couldn't really do much outside so again she brought comic books to the hospital and was like here fill your time with this and it was a bunch of the marvel what ifs and uh so the what ifs really became my my gateway drug into like like mainstream marvel dc those what ifs are so good too they really are so i'd rather bring them back yeah, the ones I, I read one of them so far, and it, it just reminds me of those old what if books. So I'm so glad they went back to that style. Yeah. So you were a survivor of childhood cancer then? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I uh, had uh, I had testicular cancer when I was uh, 15, 16 ish, and it lasted a couple years, and then had cancer a couple more times, but I've been in remission for about five years, six years now. Um, so cancer free beat it times three. Damn. <laughs> That's all I gotta say to that. That's an incredible <laughs> story, man. Yeah. So that time really got you into it. What, at what point did you think I've got a story to tell and I want to tell it through comics? 
Um, well, when I moved from Texas to California, I moved to LA and was doing uh, screenwriting. So, and I did a couple, uh, sold a couple things in the late nineties. Uh, nothing ever got made, but the, the writing bug, I always had the writing bug and I was always in the comics. So I, myself, I have seven boys. Um, so after the fourth child, well, after my oldest left the house, I was like, uh, you know, I need to really get back into writing and doing what I love uh, since my kids want to abandon me. So I, uh, I started uh, writing comic books and, and, and really pursuing it. So I started doing it on the web and like self-publishing type stuff until I felt like I had like gotten good enough to really show myself like to a publisher. Uh, and then that, that was the next step. It took about three, three, four years for I felt confident enough, to, I guess, to show something to a publisher and, and, uh, and it, it seemed to work out with, with Alterna and then T-Pub and a couple things coming up. That's awesome. So first of all, seven boys. Wow. Um, <laughs> two is too much for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, every, every time one was too much and then two was too much, I guess you, <laughs> you, you handle whatever you can handle. <laughs> Yeah, when it comes to kids, you always find a way. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the books in particular. Um, I did get a chance to read Disposable Hero, and that's the most recent one to come out, correct? Right. It's actually it's it's uh it's called Disposable Legends. Legends. It's, yeah. It's it's I don't I don't know if I sent you the because it was originally it was called it this Disposable Legends was the third uh, title. Uh, I read. It was like way, way out there. And the publisher was like, yeah, no, we got to change that. Um, I can't even remember. That's how bad it was, I guess. Uh, oh, it was called Beyond Absolution. And uh, and they were like, yeah, nobody's going to know what this is about. And I was like, <laughs> so, oh, well. But then the next title was uh, Disposable Heroes. And maybe the, the print that I sent you maybe was that. Um, but the, the, the title that's in stores now, I think number one came out last month. Um, and then number two comes out this month and it's just until we do the trade, I think beginning of early next year. Cool. And it's a interesting story of uh, cloning and like a gladiator arena in a near distant future kind of. And I really like the, it's a great premise because you can bring in a cast of awesome characters from any time you want. Where did that come from for you? Um, you know, I think more than anything, it came from like, again, my mom just not knowing what toys to buy me when I was little and just buying me any action figures she could find. So I had like the star Wars and the GI Joe and the He-Man and none of them. I didn't have enough to play with one set, but I had enough to play with all the sets. So, uh, I'd have, they'd be intermingling in universes. And I think that kind of stuck with me cause I would just make my own storyline cause I don't know how He-Man could fight a G.I. Joe character and, you know, but, uh, <laughs> and lose. So, um, so yeah, I think that's kind of where the wheel started turning of kind of meshing things and then going back to like the what if uh, books that I love from Marvel and just kind of melding it all together into this, this idea. Cause I'm a, uh, I was a history major in college. So I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I've always loved history and, and, 
a fever dream. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and your your book through Alterna that was the the Wicked Righteous, correct? Yeah, right. Wicked Righteous, and that's uh, we finished out the first arc, uh, which was the first six books, and the trade comes out for that. I think November or December, and then uh, we have another volume uh, or another arc coming out in February, I think. And what was the quick like uh, pitch for that for people looking for it? The quick, the quick pitch, I guess, for for Wicked Righteous is uh, dystopian San Diego, California. Uh, four brothers trying to survive in this uh, cataclysmic universe. Uh, something's happened to the adults in the world, and ninety nine percent of them are gone, leaving just uh, the innocent children and and the wicked adults. Sounds really cool. So it, you said there's another uh, volume in store. Is that coming out next year as part of the Alterna Slate? It is. It is. Yeah, we. I've, I've always had, which I didn't tell Peter this originally when I pitched the book, but oh, well, I I, <laughs> I, I always had like like it was a long term thing in my mind. Uh, maybe not in his until like the very end of uh, the first volume. But um, I have this first arc, a second arc, and then. You know, as long as Peter doesn't, I don't get on his bad side, then maybe I'll, I'll have a third arc to finish things off. <laughs> does Peter has a bad side? <laughs> I don't know, but if he does, I don't want to f- discover it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so even through all the controversy a few weeks back, I, I thought he was uh, always very nice and polite and just held himself really well. Uh, definitely better than I ever could. <laughs> mm baby number seven actually and around the same time that everything was going down i think i was in the hospital with with my youngest whenever everything broke loose with alterna uh, over twitter so i was kind of keeping up with it for a little bit and then the baby was born and i th- thought it was a good time to kind of maybe hang up social media for just a little bit uh <laughs> I, you know i don't i just didn't it's there's a lot of strong personalities when you can be anonymous sometimes and uh and yeah, I think Peter handled a lot of that backlash as well as as well as anybody can guess that they would if they were going through the same thing. Yeah, I would hope I could handle something like that half as well as him. Luckily, yeah. I have not had to deal with anything even close. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I early on I had somebody like like a you know like a quasi death threat i guess when but it was like random and and for the most part everybody that i've had interactions with has been cool mellow no problem um so i i can't imagine what he was going through there so uh you got those two books uh what's what's the long-term plan for disposable hero or disposable legends uh is that going to be a mini series or yeah, it's a it's a six issue limited series right now. Uh, six six issues. Um, without giving too much away, I mean, it's. I, I think it could go either way on whether it's going to be a standalone thing, or if it's going to be a continuing thing. Um, it's set up either way, that kind of thing, and a lot of it has to do with time and 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 I guess public interest really. Um, if people want it, then I'm sure there's always a way to get it, get it made. <laughs> oh yeah. Anything could be ongoing, but if nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So outside of those two books that you have, um, what other ones? Do you have anything else in the pipeline? Or Yeah, I have a few things uh, in the pipeline. I think a few stories, short stories that I've written are coming out this year in, in different places. Um, I've got some short stories in the Alterna. Um, it came out on a Wednesday anthology that they do, but they're all tied to the Wicked Righteous. So it's like they're standalone stories that take place in between volume one and two to kind of bridge the gap. Um, they don't really make sense by themselves, but at the same time they do, they're like a complete story. But once you bundle them all together and then read volume two, you, you see how they really connect and, uh, and flow uh, from volume one to volume two. Um, so those are in the first four issues of it came out on a Wednesday. And I want to think that the first two of those have already come out. So we're uh, number three and number four of it came out on a Wednesday. Still waiting on those. And I think that's this month in December. And actually, I'm interested about that. When it comes to that anthology, does does Peter come to you looking for some sort of short story in your universe? Or is he just trying to get people together for an anthology? No, I mean, he sent out a blast uh, maybe a year ago saying that he was going to be doing this. And at the time, I, I was I was backed up on, on, on a couple different projects, so I didn't submit anything. Um, but, he, you know, he I don't, as far as me personally and, and the people I've talked to, he didn't approach us about, would you like to put something from your existing world into this? It was all just it was just a general I'm putting out an anthology. It's going to have like a sci fi horror thriller type spin to it uh but it's going to be for all ages or you know pg-13 ish um if you want to be a part of it then cool uh so was, i actually approached him with the premise of what i would like to do and how it would interact with volume one and two of, of the books that i have um and he was yeah he was he was cool with it and and that's how i got involved with that because i really liked with the with that anthology the feels kind of like a Marvel presents where mm -hmm. you, you got a lot of the stories that Alterna has going on on in their own books. And then a few kind of short one shot stories that either feel like a quick pitch for a series or just stand on their own. It's kind of a mishmash that really just gets people, whets people's appetites for different Alterna stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah, man. It's uh I've been really impressed with a lot of the stories that I've read and just the fact that he's willing to take a chance on people that, that, you know, even people, uh, I'm, I don't want to throw out any publishers under the bus or anything like that. Definitely. But publishers who welcome uh, submissions, but you know, you don't really see them putting out books unless they're a well-known name or, or there's mm -hmm. some buzz behind it. So you can submit, but you know, wink, wink, you're probably not going to get in. Um, so I, I, it, it, it's cool that Altern is putting out the, the anthology and still, you know, new faces, new names, people that otherwise maybe not would get that stage to be, uh, distributed by diamond to be in a comic book store and be able to pick up some of their work and, and, you know, and have that under their belt. Uh, so it's, it's, I think it's really cool what he's doing there. Yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of the stuff more than I thought I would since uh, hooking up with Alterna. I'm yeah. really impressed with the the quality of the books they're putting out. Yeah. 
Yeah, the 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 some of the other publishers that I work with, I mean, the cost isn't spared on the alternative books just because the price tag is what a dollar fifty, a dollar ninety nine. I can't remember what they charge, but um, just because they're less than you would spend on like a Marvel book or like the Disposable Legends, I think has a three ninety nine price price tag. Like I think it's I think it's the same as Image. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put the same amount of investment as far as time and money in that book that I did in my Alterna book, you know, so that you're not losing quality. And I know the creators like Jordan Hart, David Lucarelli, Eric Borden from Scrimshaw, all those guys, it's the same thing. They put the same effort, the same money, the same everything into the their Alterna book. So you're getting you're getting quality stuff. Um, yeah, I, I really don't see the downside, honestly. Yeah, it's uh in a world where the books keep getting more expensive and more expensive, it's nice to see not only a publisher go cheaper, but also it makes it easier for someone like me who likes a variety of stories. And like, I try a lot of image stuff out. I try a lot of dark horse and so on and so forth mm. just because I like different types of stories and it makes it a little bit more digestible to be like, I never heard of um, tinsel town. I'll check it out for a buck 50. What the heck? You know, and mm-hmm. it's a great book. So I, I love that idea for it uh, on the back end, how that works. I don't know, but as far as a consumer, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, I, I really strongly feel like that there's going to be some big names that come out of this this first couple years of Alterna doing this because, um, you know, I mean, you got to break in somewhere and if, if, if Alterna is willing to give creative and quality people a chance then they're only going to be uh there's nowhere to go but up um so i'm excited i'm excited to see where where 10 years from now where 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 these people are yeah i'm i'm really excited for next year i'll turn out because i actually know a couple of the people who uh got accepted and uh have been on the show in the past when they were just kickstarter campaigns trying to get their book made now they're picked up by alterna and they picked some really great books so the next year is going to be bright for them as well. And I think they got a much more diverse uh, catalog going into next year too. Yeah, no, I, I got to look at the 2019 and 2020, some of the 2020 that he's got coming out. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm impressed with the direction, really. Yeah. So you got these great books out. You got more coming. What's yeah, the best got- place to send everybody to keep in t- touch with you? Um. All of my social media is uh, Mayotl, so M A Y O T L, and that's the same thing for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think I even got a Tumblr. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know what I would have on my Tumblr, but I think I got one. Uh, but all of those are the same: Mayotl, M A Y O T L, and I'll be. I have badges for LA Comic Con, but I'm not sure if I'll make it or not because my youngest doesn't sleep um, yet, and I've also got I just. Actually, about an hour before I got on, got the notice that I'll I'll be at uh, Emerald City next year. So I'll be hitting some of the bigger cons. Cool. Emerald City is one I really want to hit. Oh, it's fun, man. I was there last year. It was probably my favorite that I did last year. Uh, it was that one in Chicago were new for me last year. And Emerald City, just their artist alley is uh, it's like a convention unto its own. It's like a whole floor of just artist alley and that's it's really cool it was uh 
Lucarelli and I'm going to forget the other uh, guy's name, but they both told me the same thing. Like I, they both said, we better see you there because our con's amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so go there. Uh, Wicked Righteous is going to be on the Alterna Etsy page, so you just go to alternacomics.com and uh, Disposable Legends. What's Do you know where they're uh, selling that out of, outside of Comixology? Um. It's on Comixology. I know it's on Kindle. I know it's in comic shops. I mean, of course, it's, since it's an independent label, it's one of those things that you probably would have to ask for. Uh, I think only a couple hundred maybe ordered it uh, on their free will without me putting a gun to their head. Um, uh, and then on the T-Pub site, uh, the, the name of the publisher is T-P-U-B, T-Pub, and they're based out of London. Uh, this is their first kind of push into American comics in uh, being distributed by Diamond. So it was, they put out a book that was a uh, Stan Lee's Lucky Man, the TV show, and then mine. And then I think Mitch, uh, God, I can't remember his name, but he's got a book coming out right after mine. So that's their first push. Well, yeah, everybody definitely check out both of those books, uh, Disposable Legends in particular. If you like what would happen if Genghis Khan fought Abraham Lincoln, I mean, that's the type of book this is, so with a really deep story with it. So, Terry, thanks for being on the show. We, I really appreciate it. Um, no problem, man. Thank you for inviting me. Terry's a great guy. It's a great story, and uh, wow. Uh, surviving cancer three times and still having enough energy to support and raise seven boys. I can't believe it. Plus, he writes awesome comics on top of that. Uh, such an awesome story. Next, we have from Short Fuse Media, Matthew and Veronica. Short Fuse Media, if you don't know, is an independent comic book company who makes superhero comics, launches them through Kickstarter. Their book right now, Heroes International, is up on Kickstarter. You can help fund it. And they have a great program where when it's funded, they already have it printed and you ship it. They ship it out as soon as the... Uh, campaign is done. Make sure you check their link below in the show notes to support their Kickstarter campaign or search for Heroes International on Kickstarter. Welcome to the show, Michael and Veronica. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today I've got Michael and Veronica from Short Fuse Media who are just launching their Kickstarter for Heroes International. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Thank you for having us. So I got to read a copy of Heroes International. Thanks for having us. And uh, it's Short Fuse's new team-up book with a bunch of the characters they've had before. Um, so tell the you know my listeners a little bit about it. Uh, Heroes International is just like any other superhero team. They're like your Avengers or your Justice League, but they have one key difference. This team sucks. <laughs> uh, they're the worst team drafted. Uh, it's a squad of rookies and uh, new superheroes who are trying to fill the void of all the missing heroes from an incident called the Zero Event. So yeah, so someone like me who has read a bunch of the Short Fuse stuff and been in the ecosystem for a little while, this book really made sense to me and as to why you wanted to go there. How do you feel about this as something for new readers? Um, I think it's a great jump on book for new readers. Uh, these characters are actually specifically from the freestyle comics verse. So um, our first two issues are one-shots to kind of get you in there. 
get you comfortable with it. And then with the third issue, we're going to open it up for our first uh, three-part story arc. So the the freestyle, you have different universes inside of uh, Short Fuse? Uh, yeah, technically, yes. Um, we're not off limits to each other, but right now, each individual uh, banner is working on their own verse, their own characters, and their story. But every now and again, you'll see us cross over for special events and things like that. Cool. And uh, so the book and you know how you guys publish, let's talk a little bit about that. So you always do a Kickstarter campaign and kind of use it more as a, a pre-order system for fans. How did that system of um, ordering come about? Uh, it just came organically uh, with some of the Kickstarters that we've done. Uh, we just ended up noticing that we were building a good audience and we're getting good results from it. Um, and Sean Mack, who is the uh, operations director, he's got a lot of plans in that head of his, and he likes to be very strategic with any of our releases. And just over time of him taking notes and looking at things and being very calculating, we decided to move the Kickstarters more to that pre-order regimen um, to give the book about you know a good 30 35 days of promotion to build that audience and then you know as always we we deliver um that's just kind of been a staple of the company so that in c combined with trying to put out the best pro possible product that we have that that puts it where, where we're at today yeah it's a really cool system because you you know that not only when the campaign is funded that you're going to get a book but you're going to get it really quick i know in a lot of cases you have to wait months and months because of just the ecosystem Kickstarter. So, Veronica, you're kind of editor and chief, if I'm correct, of Freestyle. Is that right? No, um, production editor now. Um, I was uh, just colorist, but I'm still a color in um, Heroes International. I came in on issue two. Okay. So, what makes the free, Freestyle universe? Now the editor in chief. What makes the freestyle universe uh, unique from the other ones? I don't know too much about the other one, but freestyle and the family, you know, we all work together as a team trying to build each other up and we help each other out whenever. And I go a long time without seeing them. And when we see each other, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're just a big FSK family. And. <laughs> It's a lot of fun to work with these guys. It's very cool. So uh, the book uh, Heroes International, it's currently on Kickstarter. Have you guys been funded yet? Uh, no, we are. Our goal is twenty six hundred. Oh, we just got another donation, and right now we're at one thousand six hundred and sixty two dollars right now. So, what's the best way to send people there? Check it out. Ah, uh, just uh, you. If uh, I'm well, we'll give you a copy of the link to send people there as well. But just search Heroes International on Kickstarter, and it will pop right up. All right, so yeah, you can do that, or you can look in the show notes below, and it, I'll have it down there for you to check out. And uh, Short Fuse has a website as well, shortfusemedia.com. Is that correct? It is a shortfusemediagroup.com. Yes, and you can pick up uh, past issues there as well. So, both of you, thanks for being on. Um, is there anywhere else, any uh, Twitter or anything else you want to promote for yourself? 
Short Fuse is on Twitter as well as on Facebook, so you can go there for updates. We actually just created a fan group for our Short Fuse page, so it's uh, called Hashtag uh, Team Short Fuse All Access, and we do special contests and giveaways in that group. We even we just premiered our Gamer Night where we play video games with our fans every Friday night. We just played Destiny 2 uh, with a few of the people, and we had a great time with that. Uh, you personally can find me as Art of and Veronica, where can they catch you at? Um, on Instagram, V underscore Smith 84. Awesome. So both of you, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it uh, through all the technical difficulties and all. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, hopefully we'll get to talk to you we, again sometime. Well, I was going to ask before uh, we get off, what did you, and you can give your honest, unbiased opinion. What did you think of the first issue? Like, did you have any questions or did anything stand out to you? Uh, so my honest uh, unbiased was the first half of it. I was really iffy on it. I um, okay. it it took a while, but once I saw what you were doing, and that like you said, the team sucks, and then I saw <laughs> what you're building towards, it it made more sense for me. So I would say the second half of the book was much more enjoyable for me, and it got me interested okay. in another issue. But that first sequence when you're just and it's a comic book thing it's not specific to you guys but when you're learning all the characters and kind of get the groove together of who they are that kind of dragged for me but once you got to that second half and i saw the the fight sequence who the villain was i liked how you kind of veered off with uh i think it was vigilante and she pops in and then you say like oh check out this issue see what she's doing i love when comics do that and then when you got to the end and the the leader was kind of like we need to figure this out (laughs) Um, that got me intrigued for another issue. So I, I thought it was a, a decent starting point for the book. Um, but once again, the second half was really much better for me. Um, but the art, on the other hand, the art was fantastic throughout it. Um, the pencils and the uh, coloring was really fantastic. And meshing those different characters together. Like I said, I've read a bunch of the those characters in their own books and seeing their own styles, and you did a really great job of kind of bringing them together. Uh, so, uh, so basically, you wanted it to get quicker to the second half. You wanted to shorten the first half of it, get quicker, get to it, but the Vigilance Nugget, her coming in there as a guest star real quick, that popped it up for you, and once it came together at the end, you were, you were quicker to buy in. Yes, and as so as a fan, I would say the first half really dragged for me. As a critic, I would say the first half is necessary. And okay, you know, okay. what I mean by that is, you, like you said, you need to jump people in and learn who these characters are because there are people going to pick this up and they've never read a Hot Fuse or a uh, book before or a freestyle book, and mm-hmm. they don't know who these characters are, whereas I know them. So it's kind of like watching the first Spider-Man movie. Like, yeah, I get it. He's bitten by a radioactive spider. I get it. Let's, <laughs> let's fight the Green Goblin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so how, how long have you been reading Short Fuse comics? A little bit over a year now. Okay. All right. All right. Well, cool. That's really – see, I always appreciate honest feedback from people. Um, I try to tell everybody you are not going to hurt our feelings. We work very hard on these books, but we understand we're not perfect. Uh, we're trying to get these books to be the best books that they possibly can. It's a constant uh, growing process with each issue, so we want to make improvements there. And I think um, – some of the things that you say are some of the things that we looked at after the first issue, and then we kicked it back into gear on the second and the third issue. So I'd, I'd be very, very interested to see what you think of the next issue. 
Yeah, and I always say because we do a, I do a weekly top five list of the comics uh, that come to the comic shops, and I always say you know I look forward to the first issue, I get excited for it, but it's always the second issue that really intrigues me because a lot okay. of times the first issue is to drag people in and kind of get them moving, and they leave you on a cliffhanger. It's that second issue when the action starts going. We know who the characters are, we know what the story is, and we're just going to run through it. So, but yeah, awesome. All right. So guys, thanks for being on. I appreciate you uh, taking some time out, and uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for giving us the platform to speak on it, and we appreciate it. Man, I love some Short Fuse Media. Uh, Short Fuse Media makes really great books on just cool independent books. Check them out. Uh, Check out their website. They've got a ton of really awesome superhero books. Uh, Very short runs, too, so there's not a whole lot of continuity to get into. It's just, they're a lot of fun. I always pick up any of their Kickstarters when they jump out and just enjoy them very much. And I'm going to end the show with our lead interview, uh, Mr. Stuart Moore. Stuart Moore has written for Marvel, DC, IDW, Dark Horse, you name it, he's written for them. He's done novels, he's done comics, he's done everything. Uh, The man's had a long career, a really great career with a lot of really good books. He's best known for his Firestorm run at DC, so you probably recognize the name from there. If not, you recognize it from books like the Civil War novelization or some of his work at Marvel as well. Right now, Stuart Moore is working with the Hoi Comics. Hoi Comics is a new publisher. They just put out the first couple of books, and his is going to be the third in line. Uh, it is releasing this coming Wednesday. It's called Captain Ginger. It's a really fun book about space travel with cats. And uh, let's hear more from him to see what he has to say on it. Welcome to the show, Stuart Moore. So everybody, welcome back. Today I have a very special guest, a writer for everybody from Marvel to DC, (laughs) and most importantly, Ahoy Comics with Captain Ginger. Today we've got Stuart Moore on the show. Thanks for being on, Stuart. So, uh... Captain Ginger, uh, it's your newest book from Ahoy Comics. Uh, what's the quick pitch on that one? Uh, the quick pitch on it is Cats in Space. That's a that's about as quick as it gets, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's um it's about a uh, starship crewed by cats, um, intelligent evolved cats, who have kind of uh, taken over uh, the running of this thing after uh, the humans who created them have uh, have died out. So they've got this spaceship. They've uh, they've lived on it all their lives. There have actually been several generations there by the time we uh, we start the story, um, but they don't really know everything about how it works, and they don't. Uh, and the the ship isn't built for them either. Um, they uh, they don't have opposable thumbs. They don't. Uh, they're not human. They're they're larger than normal cats, but they're not human sized. So there's a lot of things that there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of things that have to be worked out. Yeah, it was a very interesting premise, especially uh, you have lots of references to the what you call the feeders, which I got to assume is humans. Yes, yeah. Um, and it seems like that these cats have evolved and kind of taken over the technology from the feeders and adapted it to their own. It's a uh, really, oh, go ahead. Yes. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's a really cool premise, and I like how you get around them using it, especially... Being cats and finding cat ways to do it is very interesting. Uh, yeah, they. Um, I mean, one of the problems is, like I said, they don't. Uh, 
the, the controls aren't built for them. So they've had to, um, they've had to build these, uh, they've had to build things like, um, little, what they call cozies, little cloth covers for some of the levers that tend to get shredded in battle. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. And the bigger problem is just that cats aren't really used to cooperating and working together. And they're certainly not used to a military style hierarchy. So, is a little shaky. Um, he's convinced them to follow him that it'll be best for everyone if they do. But, uh, but it's not a sure thing. Like it's not, it's, it's not assured that this will be a, this is a stable situation. So I think the most important question here is what is it with comic creators and cats? <laughs> uh, well, in general, I mean, I created this book for June Brigman, who's my co-creator and, uh, and artist, and she's magnificent. She's best known for uh, the book Power Pack at Marvel um, some years ago. But uh, I knew June had a lot of cats, and I'd worked with her on one project where I'd asked for cats in one exactly one panel, and she drew them in every corner of the page, like fighting, climbing things all over people, all over buildings, all over everything. So that, that kind of set off a little light bulb in my head, and that was actually the beginning of this. The first project, I've been saying this to people, but it's the first project I've ever created specifically for one artist. And if she hadn't done it, uh, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I would have uh, pursued it with anyone else. She's just perfect for it. Yeah, her art is fantastic, and she really gets the different dynamics with the cats and how they interact with each other, especially the younger cats. Uh, so let's dial back a little bit. What What is your secret origin in comics? What got you into comics? <laughs> uh, I answered an ad in Publishers Weekly. Um, that's a terrible answer. But uh, I was a book editor, um, and... Uh, a couple of years before the Vertigo imprint started, I moved over to DC and uh, was one of the um, one of the original editors in that line. Um, and that was a very exciting time. And I worked on a lot of stuff like Preacher and Hellblazer and Swamp Thing and uh, Transmetropolitan, The Invisibles, a lot of books. And I was at Marvel Knights for a little while. And gradually, I started writing more. Uh, I went full-time freelance about 15 years ago, and it's gone really well ever since. Um, and one of the things about Ahoy is that the editor-in-chief is an old friend of mine, Tom Pyre, who was also at Vertigo back in the day. Um, and he and I uh, get along really well. I'm not actually doing any editorial work at Ahoy. I am doing some behind-the-scenes consulting um, helping them deal with operations and uh, and diamond and stuff like that, all strictly on a freelance basis. Um, but uh, but in a way, it's this this works pretty well for me because I can kind of separate those parts of my brain and fill out solicitation forms in the in the afternoon when after I write in the morning. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty good balance. I can I, I, I like I like doing that. So I guess I can jump me into my next question, which is, uh, what is a hoy? Like, where did this come from? And you guys are fairly new, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, yeah. where did this whole idea come from? The first books launched last uh, last month, The Wrong Earth and uh, High Heaven. And uh, it really pretty much came out of Tom Pyre's brain. Um, it's, the, uh, it's the product of discussions between him and Hart Seeley, our publisher, who's a uh, best-selling writer of humor books, former reporter um, up in Syracuse, New York, where they both live. Um, and uh, also, also there's another... Um, there's another guy in the mix named Frank Camuso, who's a graphic novelist. Mostly, most of his work is for kids. Um, he's got a new book out called Edison Beaker, Creature Seeker from uh, Viking. But um, 
so the three of them started up and they kind of asked me to um to help out initially doing a little bit of consulting and then i've worked into uh handling a little more of the kind of operations and marketing end of things as we've gone along um they uh, while we were initially talking about this, I showed them Captain Ginger, and they thought it fit in perfectly with the sensibility they wanted, which is basically uh, that have a sense of humor, and that is an ironclad rule with the with the Ahoy books. They all have to be. Um, they're not. Um, they're not sitcoms. They're not. They're not full of jokes, but they all have to have humor laced through them. That's um. That's one of Tom's strongest rules, and I think people are responding to that. Um, so far, especially on uh, well, the two books out so far, which is The Wrong Earth and High Heaven. Yeah, with uh, those two, and uh, obviously I've gotten to read Captain Ginger Head, I've noticed mm -hmm. uh, with all of them that they're they're taking a little bit lighter than some other comics. And I like that that's starting to come back because yeah, me as, too. Much, as much as I love the, the dark storylines and everything, just as much as anyone, I, I love the just the casual kind of goofiness of comics. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and some of the darkest storylines work best if you tell them that way. Um, I mean, Preacher's a perfect example, actually. It's, uh, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty grim in a lot of ways, but it's practically a comedy, really, when you, when you read it. It's, uh, it's, it's, got that, um, it's got that feel to it. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the kind of thing we were really trying for. Each of these books, I think, has a serious core underneath it. Um, but hopefully they're all um, hopefully that they're all they're all funny in the best way. They're funny in ways ways that seem real that um, that's drawn from the characters and the situations rather than just jokes thrown on top. So with uh, we have Captain Ginger releasing this coming Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. So with that, uh, assuming we have a, a good launch, what's the plan moving forward with that book? Uh, the initial run, the first issue actually runs a full 35 pages of story. Um, after that, it settles down to 20 to 22. But the initial run of the book is four issues. Um, all the Ahoy books, at least to start, are conceived of in seasons. Uh, and that'll run probably six issues. I've uh, I've written I've written the first script for that already. So yes, we're already working ahead. Um, there will be a bit of a break, and I've got another series in the works at Ahoy that I can't talk about yet. That'll come in in the meantime. But uh, Captain Ginger will continue. Cool. So yeah, I've always uh, thought that was a good idea for some of these newer comics was to go into kind of a season uh, mode and yeah. I mean, it's tricky for retailers. They have to get used to how to order stuff like that, and I understand that. Um, but uh, but especially creatively with some books, you just need it. June is not the fastest artist in the world, and she's um, she's putting so much into every page of this, like the the, the detail and the um, and the thought she's put into just the minor details and characters um, really shows. And there's no way she could do it on a continuing monthly basis. Very few artists can really. Yeah, it's one of the genius things I thought that Brian K. Vaughn did with Saga, where he do basically a couple storylines and take time off and then do a couple storylines. And I'm starting to see that more in the indie scene, and I really like it. Um, so, do you have anything else going on right now other than Captain Ginger? Um, I've got, uh, well, I've, I've been doing some things for, other, yeah, I've been doing some things for other companies. I've got, um, 
I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to keep track of the order that things are coming out. I've, I've written an X-Men novel, The Dark Phoenix Saga, expanding on the original comic series. And uh, that I don't have a firm publication date for because it's, it's not based on the movie, but it's going to be timed to coincide with the movie roughly. And that the movie's just been delayed. So I think it'll be out in the spring. Challenge. That was a. Um, it's a story I I, I love, and uh, it was a it was a pretty wild thing to have to expand out and modernize too, because it's been it's been forty years since that thing since that series came out. Um, so I've got that. I also uh, wrote an adaptation of a Batman prose novel as a graphic novel that'll be out as part of the. Uh, the DC Inc. line uh, next summer. It's called Batman Nightwalker. It's based on a novel by uh, Marie Lu that's out now um, about 17-year-old Bruce Wayne um, just uh, just inheriting his fortune. So, uh, And that was a lot of fun. The artist is a guy named Chris Wild Goose, who's brilliant. Um, and uh, that'll be coming along um, sometime next year. And other than that, like as I said, uh, yeah, I, I, I do have one other series I can't talk about, but there's also one more Ahoy project that I'm hoping to be able to, I'm hoping we'll announce in the next month or two. But uh, I, uh, I'm a slave to this machine now. I have to, uh, I have to, <laughs> I have to go where it tells me. No, no, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, but, uh, but it's, that book is just coming together and I'm, I'm really, really happy with it as well. Ahoy is really giving me the tools. It's given all of us the tools we need to put these things, to put these books together and make sure make sure all the details work, like make sure all the, the coloring is top notch. The production is top notch. We've got all these extras in the back of the books, which are, which people seem to be responding to. Um, I'm really happy with the, uh, with the overall package. And a lot of that goes back to Hart Seeley, our publisher, who's been very supportive and, and very, uh, and like I said, just given us everything we need to make all that happen. Yeah. It's been really cool to see an indie scene, like a, a true indie scene, uh, grow into the mainstream of comics because I mean, yeah. you see a lot of kickstarters and everything but seeing you know you guys at ahoy and aftershock and all these different companies come about and create true independent comics but be able to get them in the diamond and onto a shelf has been awesome yeah it's great the image was the real uh the real sort of barrier breaker on that a yeah. few years ago um, I had a book with them called Egos, and I was just lucky to be along for the ride. But, um, but yeah, the stuff they've um, the stuff they've done is is pretty amazing. So, you you said a lot about adaptations, both from comic to novel, movie to novel, novel to comic. It seems like you've done a lot of adaptations. What's the yeah. the? I'm really intrigued on the the comic to novel part of it. How does that go? on your end? Um, it's very different for different projects. And a lot of it depends on, uh, a lot of it depends on, this is very, this sounds very, this is a very simple thing to say, but a lot of it depends on the length of the original series. Um, if you're taking like four issues or six issues and adapting it into a novel, you have to add a lot. You have to flesh it out. You have to add subplots. You have to add characters. You have to add everything. Um, I've, uh, I've ad I adapted Marvel's Civil War, and that was, uh, there were things I had to add, um, but 
and hopefully I fleshed out a lot of the motivations and characters. Um, but also I had to pick and choose a bit. And I didn't want to use quite as many characters as they did in the original because I wanted the novel to be somewhat accessible to people who weren't completely steeped in the Marvel Universe. Now, weirdly, I wrote that in 2011. And I think today I wouldn't worry about it quite as much because the Marvel movies have so, like, penetrated the consciousness of the country that I think people do people do know even a lot of the minor characters in a way they didn't back then. Um, the Dark Phoenix saga stretched out over a lot of... The, the, there's more than a year's worth of comics adapted in that novel. And that, also, that meant I was a little more crowded than I expected. Like, I, I had to... Uh, I did also have to make choices. I had to make choices also because I didn't want to bring in every dangling plot thread that wasn't going to be resolved within the uh, within the novel. Um, back then, monthly comics were not written even with an eye toward being collected. Um, everyone thought they'd just come out. So they tended to sprawl a little more. Like the plot lines sort of went, let out spaghetti strands in all directions. Um, and when you adapt that into a novel, you have to kind of you have to kind of tidy them up a little bit. You have to make sure you're not... Uh, you can leave a few things loose for the future, but you you have to make sure you're not teasing the reader with something that is, isn't going to come along like later in the book. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot of that. There's also um, the fact that that book is an important proto-feminist story um, within comics, or at least is considered that way. Um, and we're in a very different world in terms of feminism than we were in 1978, 79. Um, so there were a lot of little, I don't want to go into it too much when the book's not out yet, but there were a lot of little details that I felt had to be sort of changed and moved and, and moved around and, and updated. Um, and hopefully I did a good job. We'll see. We'll see what people say. <laughs> so I guess the last big question, the one on everyone's mind, yeah. Marvel or DC? Oh, I, you know, I love both of them. I have uh, I have completely different kinds of affection for both of them, just as a reader. Because when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I mostly read DC. Um, I uh, I think I my first comic might have been a Legion of Superheroes comic or a Superman book, uh, um, and that was pretty much all I read until I was a teenager. When a friend of mine, who I'm still in touch with, we're still friends, um, sat me down and got to read these <laughs> and this was before trade paperbacks again and uh they just it was it was all the stuff from the 70s like um jim starlin's warlock um a lot of the stuff steve engelhart and steve gerber were doing at the time um and that just blew my mind so to me dc is almost like and i'm accepting things like vertigo which i worked on which i have a whole different relationship to but uh dc is like comfort food and marvel's the mind-blowing exciting stuff and it's weird because over the years, the companies have swapped places in that a few times. Like there, there was definitely a time in the 90s when I was working there that DC, I think, was the more dangerous company. And Marvel was um, Marvel had some good stuff, but it was a little more commercial. It was a little more sort of straight down the line superheroes. Um, and then they've swapped back and forth a couple of times since then. So, you know, I I, I like them both. I, there's, there's great characters and kind of lame characters at both. Like, so, uh, so I don't have a strong preference. Yeah, it, it's a half-joking uh, question. But, yeah, you you hit the nail right on the head there where it, it they really go back and forth and they trade artists and writers so often that it's, it's really a matter of the staff on hand. So uh, with all of that, uh, where... 
Where's the best place to send people online to keep up with Captain Ginger and everything else you got going on? Uh, the best place is definitely comicsahoy.com, um, which is our website. It's updated regularly with um, special features, que uh, question and answers, and uh, also just previews of, of, of all the upcoming books, um, previews and solicitations as soon as they go up. Um, we, have a, uh, we have a very active Twitter feed at Ahoy Comic Mags, is the name of it, um, and that uh, that's updated very frequently with news, um, and yeah, those are probably the two best places. Uh, the the um, there's also Comics Ahoy on Facebook, um, but Twitter's updated a little more frequently and probably the better place to get updates. Yeah, Twitter tends to be the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody remember to go to your local comic shop this Wednesday and you can pick up a copy of Captain Ginger if for some reason they didn't order it and I don't know why they wouldn't make <laughs> sure to ask your local retailer to order it or check out the uh, Comics Ahoy website and I'm sure they got a link for you to buy it there as well yeah there's a link there to uh, Comicsology has it as well and, and there's a link on our site to that <laughs> so Stuart thanks for being on the show I really appreciate uh, you taking some time out to chat with me thank you very much I appreciate it and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again sometime and uh, good luck with the launch sounds good thank you take care Stuart's a cool guy some cool stories I love hearing about how novelizations come about and just uh, taking on the chin some of the funny or questions I had for him great guy I hope to talk to him again someday so this is the show. Thanks for listening, watching. Uh, remember to check us out. Mike, you can find me on Twitter at Fortress Ricker. You can find me at Fortress Chris. You can find the show at FCN underscore official or just go to FortressOfComicNews.com. Everything is right there. That's the hub for all things Fortress of Comic News. Please, if you are watching us on YouTube, give us a thumbs up down below, comment, talk to us down there. And subscribe to the channel. All that stuff really helps us out, and we appreciate it. And if you are listening to us, whether it's on iTunes or whatever, give us a five-star review. The more reviews we get, especially five-star reviews, helps us meet, reach more people. And that's what this is all about. We want to reach as many people with our passion for comics and help spread the word for these creators and everything. And we appreciate you guys for helping us along the way and being there with us on the road to episode 100. We are getting closer and closer every week and we're super excited to tell you what's going on for episode 100. So everybody, thank you so much for watching, listening, however you are digesting this. Uh, thank you to all the creators I had today. Uh, Michael, Veronica, Terry, Stuart, all great creators with awesome books. I appreciate you guys being on the show and I will see you all next week.